Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Welcome, everybody. This is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell. We are a growth enablement company helping companies to scale and grow through leveraging technologies and process people in process often first. We have a guest today that I'm extremely excited about. His name is Mike Payton. I call him Payton because we're really close friends, I think, (laughs) at this point. (laughs) He spent a lifetime of learning from entrepreneurs. And I know that to be true because of what he's been doing and what we're doing with EOS. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a host of the EOS Leader Podcast and an EOS Implementer. And if you don't know what EOS is, It is the entrepreneurial operating system that Gino Wickman wrote a book on called Traction. And there is a Traction library of books, and probably Peyton will tell us what those are, but he's got a a new book that's coming out. So we're going to talk about that. But over the last 15 years, he's conducted more than 1,500 sessions for leadership teams of more than 150 companies, co-authored two books in the Traction library. He succeeded Gino Wickman and spent five years as an EOS worldwide visionary and now spends all of his time helping entrepreneurs run better businesses and live better lives by mastering the simple concepts and practical tools he'll be sharing with us today. Welcome, Peyton. How are you? Thanks, Jim. I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And as I mentioned, and I think I've mentioned on many of our podcasts, we are a uh, probably a four-year running EOS company. And I was just saying to you prior to starting the podcast that we need to have that on our About Us page because I think when you run a company and you use EOS entrepreneurial operating system, it's a credibility factor. And I thank you for that. I want to mention to you up front, since we started, I thought back, we've almost doubled the company size since we started EOS. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, in four years. So I want to ask you some questions today, obviously. So we talk about being a growth enablement company. You heard me in my introduction and what we want to be able to do is our vision is to help companies grow and scale through leveraging technologies, but we also have a consulting service that focuses on people and process first, which is very much in line with what EOS does. But could you tell me from your perspective, how do you believe and what does growth enablement mean to you? And what do you believe that process or process, how it relates to growth and scale? Yeah. I mean, you know, where I'd start is to say, if you're truly entrepreneurial, you're constantly trying to push yourself beyond the status quo, right? What can I do to make it bigger, better, faster, stronger, et cetera. And so the challenge that all of us face that are kind of hardwired that way is that we hit ceilings from time to time. We're growing, we're making money, we're some days, the scary days are the ones where things seem almost too easy, but then inevitably you hit a ceiling and you feel stuck and frustrated and you can't figure out what, what got you there. And what we preach in EOS, as you well know, is that it's, It's typically one of six things. Your vision component is weak. You're not all on the same page with where you're going and how you plan to get there. Your people component is weak. You don't have great people in the organization, top to bottom, side to side. You can't attract and retain the right folks to achieve your vision. Your data component is weak. You're not looking at the right numbers and measurables to drive success. Your issues component is weak. You're not very good at recognizing issues as they arise and solving them for the long-term and greater good of the business. 
your process component is weak, which simply means that the most important things in the business aren't getting done the right and best way every time when you're not there to make sure it happens. And with all due love and respect to the other visionaries like me, sometimes we're the reason that is happening and we love to blame that on everybody else. And then the traction component is executing with discipline and accountability everywhere in the organization. And so those are the those are the six things that tend to cause us to get stuck. And I want to say when we're working with a client in the EOS journey, 80% of the time we're talking about either people or process and both. That doesn't mean the other four components aren't equally as important, but it sure feels to me like in those sessions I've done over all these years that that it's those two things that really get most of the attention. So, yeah. Can I share the cover of the new book? I know this is for a sure. pre-release, yeah, right? You so bet. You bet. so for the audience out there looking at YouTube, and hopefully this is not reversed, uh, you can see it, but it's Process. And that's a brand new book. In fact, I have, a, is it called a galley copy? It's called a galley. Yeah, that's a publishing term for for a very rough draft that they make look pretty. That's so, no idea. And I thought, oh man, I've got something worth some money because it has no page numbers on the <laughs> chapters. What a mistake. It's going to be worth millions. Yeah. So, yeah. And for those who don't know Traction, this is a required reading in our company, by the way. So everybody must get through this before they uh, start their journey with us as a, a team member because they need to understand how we're running the business. And I mentioned that four years ago that we actually hit a plateau. And we only grown 2.7% that year. And it was like, uh, uh, because I had been growing at a much faster rate. And then the other thing that I noticed was my office door was a turnstile. People were at that size. I had more people coming in with their quote unquote call issues. And you know who would get the issues resolved was people with that were the squeaky wheel. Might have not been the right issue to solve. You know, we have a lot of clients out there. I hope that they're going to listen to this because I'm going to evangelize that this is something that's core to a business. I went to hashtag Bentley University, it was called Bentley College back then, a business school. And of course, when I read Traction, I thought, hmm, business school stuff, I get it, I get it, you know, stuff. It's like- uh, Many times before, nothing new here, right? Well, essentially nothing new, but more granular than you probably learned in business school. And I thought though, I'm not doing any of it. I'm not doing any of it. I know it, but I'm not doing it. And even when I talk to larger companies that have maybe they're $100 million in revenue, they're not doing it either. And I've given out these, you know how much money I've spent giving out books to folks because it really relates to what we do in writing, trying to help companies. One such company was $100 million, You say that's for smaller companies. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it isn't. Anyways, so that's traction. So what questions were you and your team hearing that made you decide that this book would be uh, the answer as a next book in the library? Yeah, I've been passionate about this for a long time. And this has been on my VTO, my long range vision for a while, writing a book about specifically about the process component. And the reason for that is very simply, of all of the six components, it's the one there's the least amount of enthusiasm for and the least amount of real quality work being done in across the entire spectrum of companies implementing EOS. And when I started talking to other implementers about that, and they were saying the same thing about their clients, it started to become clear to me that entrepreneurs in general misunderstand the value of the process component itself and define the work that needs to be done to strengthen it the way a bureaucratic corporation would define it 
rather than an entrepreneurial company should define it. And quite frankly, I think corporations should define it this way as well. And so that was kind of the motivation for the book is really inspiring entrepreneurs and their leadership teams. And also, truth be told, inspiring EOS implementers like me to get more excited about the process component because I believe it is the key to freeing yourself up to be an entrepreneur. And that's the subtitle of the book is how discipline and consistency will actually set you free. And the paradox is that a lot of us feel like we have to choose between freedom and process. And the truth be told is without process, there is no freedom. That was the motivation. I endorse that. By the way, during my entrepreneurial time building this company, I also resisted process. I resisted what, you know, maybe what I thought was creativity and bringing people in that were just going to be creative. And that got me so far. But when you get to a certain size, you need the discipline of process. One of the things, and by the way, this is really funny to say, you know, a lot of people would say it about fiction. I'm, I find this a page turner. And if you look at the book and how I'm, you know, how I'm marking it up with the corners down and making notes, I'm re-energized because now literally I've been walking around the office saying to, I've talked to our county department yesterday and said, you know, you need to create a collection process and you only need to use the Parento principle. In this case, the 2080 rule. So maybe, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but can you tell me what does it look like when a company does it right? Yeah, so this goes back to that misperception that a lot of entrepreneurs have is that what you're doing when you're creating a strong process component is creating an 800-page SOP manual that feels good when you finish it, but nobody ever uses it. It collects dust in the corner. and Or you have this sort of rigid bureaucratic situation where there's a compliance committee and God forbid you do something differently one day, you're going to be called in front of the compliance committee. And that isn't it. Okay. And this is what we're preaching, Jim. It's all entrepreneurs are hardwired to be naturally process oriented and they feel exactly the opposite way. And what I mean by that is process orientation is really a human characteristic. It's the art and science of noticing that there are certain things you did today that really worked well and certain other things you did today that didn't work so well, and you're going to quit doing that and do more of the stuff that works. And when you do that day after day after day, you're actually building a systemic, highly successful business by trial and error. And a lot of people look at me when I say that and say, well, that sounds expensive and stupid, but that's the way almost all entrepreneurial companies are built. And so that is natural process orientation. And so all we're asking the entrepreneurs and their most experienced leaders to do is codify that stuff they know really works well in a format that's simple, high level, easy to find, and easy for the people who do the work every day to use. That's it. And we think that can be done in a lot less time and with a lot less fancy manuals and and terminology is almost like process work has its own unique language and you need to go to four years of college and take a foreign language in order to be able to speak it. And it isn't really that difficult. And that's what we're trying to do. This is a process for dummies book because it was written by a process dummy. That's what I'm excited about. We're trying to make this accessible and doable for everybody. Not perfect. It's not going to be perfect when you do it for the first time, but if you can get a framework built and then improve on it year after year after year, man, are you going to build a well-oiled machine? 
And by the way, folks who are listening, if you were like me and you thought about SOPs, standard operating procedures, you just glazed over. You thought, I just don't want to deal with it. Well, when you read this book, and I'm really surprised, a couple of things I'm surprised about. First of all, I now I want to write a book because this is a consumable book. It's an easy read. And I'm shocked at how much of it is a step-by-step guide. You're giving away unbelievable information that folks can get out of this and start working. Well, and Jim, everybody associated with EOS, all the implementers, the people running the company, we're all obsessed with helping entrepreneurs get everything they want from their businesses. I think entrepreneurship's the key to making the world a better place and will be forever. And and we need help. It's lonely, difficult work. And so I'm. it makes my heart feel good to hear you say that. I appreciate that a lot. So those who are listening, if you're trying to scale your business and you don't start to instill process, you're going to have a very difficult time scaling the business. That's what I have found. And now we've we've created a simple processes throughout the company. You know that it's going to, and then the people run the process rather than the individuals having tribal knowledge and creating their own process, which isn't scalable. And you can think about franchises are very process driven. That's how they scale. Oftentimes I think about McDonald's, while this is changing, what's the one thing you hear, or I use, I don't go to McDonald's anymore. Sorry, McDonald's, but you know, what's the one thing you hear at the counter when you were leaving? Would you like fries with that, sir? And that was part of their process, right? And so design process. And can you tell me a little bit about the concept of the Pareto principle when creating a process? Yeah. Pareto principle just says do 20% of the work and get 80% of the results. And so a lot of the corporate bureaucracy is built around the precept that you've got to document 100% of the steps in 100% of the processes to get 100% compliance. And for those of your listeners who are required because of regulation or certifications like ISO to have a process manual that does that, even those people who do it really well will say, well, we write those process manuals for the auditors and the certifiers, but we've got to summarize what those manuals say in order to get our people to follow the process to the letter. And that's what we're teaching. Instead of a 27-page, here's how you do it with every one-off or ad hoc eventuality in this particular thing, let's just call it the sales process, why don't we just decide if we do these five things this way, every time we have a prospective customer engaged with us, thinking about doing business with us, we're going to increase our win rate from 33% to 50%. What are those five things and who should do them? How should we do them? When should they happen? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Boil it down to the bare essentials and teach your people to do the basics well. And then over time, their experience, coaching and mentoring, all that stuff will fill in the blanks between those five steps. You don't have to document a hundred steps in your sales process, for goodness sake. And you don't need to document every process that happens in your business. Izzy Sharp, the founder of Four Seasons, said you got to systemize the predictable so you can humanize the exceptional. And what he meant by that was some stuff should happen exactly the same. When a housekeeper goes into your hotel room to make your bed, there's an efficient Four Seasons way of doing that. And that is a process that should be systemized. When a guest needs something and goes to the concierge, that's up to the concierge to be magical and create an exceptional experience 
for the guest. And so that's a process that isn't systemized, right? And so that's what we're teaching. What do we need to systemize? Let's focus on that. Let's keep it high level and build from there. So for you out there who are trying to scale your businesses, imagine this. Imagine if you were creating on the processes that you are going to focus on and creating an exceptional, consistent experience like the Four Seasons. The bed is made the same way every single time. By the way, one of the things you're going to do when you leave that hotel because you were so happy is you're going to tell somebody else. So then comes now the referral process, which starts to build your sales and are much easier. So the scale and growth comes in. That's one of the things that comes from process creation. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's so many benefits to, you know, attract. All my clients are talking about how hard it is to attract and retain talent today. And so... I could go for hours explaining all the ways having consistent, scalable processes make you better at attracting and retaining talent. But it isn't just how you hire and manage your people. That Those two things mean a lot. But as a new employee to an organization, I want to come in and feel like I'm doing pretty good work from day one. And so the better prepared I am when I hit the floor the first day, the more likely I am to feel like I'm contributing value. My manager is helping me. I belong here. All of these things. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And so that's a big part of what we're doing here is trying to connect entrepreneurial leaders to the idea that process doesn't make things harder. Process makes things easier. There's work involved. There's no question about it. I don't want to minimize the fact in order for you to really say, hey, if we needed to do five things in the sales process, these are the five, you're going to be butting heads with your fellow leaders. There's discussions, debates. You're going to actually have to spend time with customers and salespeople watching what's going on and looking for ways to improve things. But that's the fun part of being an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs love stuff like that. It's it's creative problem solving is what it is. Yeah, so. yeah. And bringing in a process and having folks, for example, an employee that is in a process brings them up to speed much faster. So which creates success for both company and employee much faster, which creates a culture of success. And it just, as you say, it just continues the domino out. And right? in an organization that's disciplined around process, the managers and leaders have less management and leadership work to do because what happens is the top performers on a team know that there's an ABC company way of doing things. And if I'm a new person who doesn't get it right every time, those people are pitching in and coaching and mentoring without the manager even needing to be involved. And so it's that's how process creates freedom. Exactly. And, you know, folks, it doesn't mean you're not going to have, if you have a sales process, for example, simple sales process, doesn't mean that every salesperson will be equal, but they will get to a scale faster. And then comes the coaching to, you know, you may have a top salesperson like we do and very, very good. And he would contribute ideas to the process. He might be on a rock, by the way, another term used in EOS because we have rock teams. We didn't do rock individuals, by the way. We found that rock teams were more successful. So we do teams of three or four. And with that, we get 100% success in our rock completions. Just as a side note, when I was reading the book too, I was thinking, hmm, some of this comes and stems from a book I read years ago. And as I turned the page, Michael Gerber, e-myth, 
And I thought, yes, I remember he was like one of the originating, I think, I think maybe, maybe you'll tell me differently. I thought he was one of the older fellows that are out there that kind of started the talk about process a bit. He wasn't as specific about this and maybe his consulting practice did that. But do you remember Michael? And- oh, quite well. He's quoted in the book for a reason. And quite frankly, he was one of the primary inspirers of Gino's thinking around process in the early days when he pulled traction together. The franchise prototype is what he talked about. And and his book, E-Myth, and now E-Myth Revisited, is all about systemizing so that you can live a decent life as an entrepreneur. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're the vaudeville performer with a bunch of plates spinning on the stage on dowel rods, and, and eventually you exhaust your own capacity. And that's what building a successful organization is, is how do you keep building extensions of yourselves so that the work that you would do yourself, if you could clone yourself, is being done well every day without you having to touch any of it. And that's process. Imagine that, that you could move to a board position because you have process and you're able to enjoy life a bit more because you have more free time. And now the other thing I did is I used to, I read, I read a ton of books. So BPMN 2.0. Do you remember that book? Oh, yeah. We deeply steeped in it in preparation for writing the book. And it's above my pay grade from a complexity standpoint, but that is what we're teaching in a simplified form. No question about it. And the the people at BPMN are amazing human beings and real process expertise is to be coveted and treasured. I'm not at all making light of that. What I'm trying to do is make it accessible for the people who don't have the time and the energy and the experience in that very academic world. Peyton, that's the key difference here, right? And BPMN, great stuff. And maybe our consulting group uses it because it's a little more, I'll call it technical in nature. This is a how-to and it's simple and you can do it, folks. You got to do it and you have to do it. Because it'll matter. Now, let me bring this into it. I got to imagine, tell me about recession and where I even hate to bring the word up because I'm afraid I'm putting it into the universe and it's going to create it. But tell me how this will help folks to become a recession-proof company, perhaps. I mean, I think recessions are interesting things. And one of the things that coming through COVID that I've really enjoyed about the work I do is I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs who are dealing with potentially cataclysmic issues always, right? There's always some thing outside your control that makes life a little more difficult for an entrepreneur. The difference with COVID or a recession is that the whole world was experiencing the crisis rather than just your business or your team, okay? And so the first thing I say to everybody who mentions the R word or the C word is it's just an issue, okay? A recession is just an issue. I happen to believe recessions are as opportunity-filled as they are danger-filled for well-run entrepreneurial companies. A company that is performing at a high level and is has a decisive leadership team able to react to the world around it more quickly than the competition actually positions itself to take advantage of the hardships other companies you're competing with are failing to overcome. So the first thing I say is, Focus on execution. And if the recession for your business means that the 100 people you employ today should really be 70 people because your revenue is going to drop by 30%, the faster you can come to that conclusion, make the difficult but necessary choice to trim 
some people who are really good people who do great work and who do anything wrong, the better you are going to weather this thing. And that is a process for making decisions. EOS is just a process for running a business and prioritizing well and making decisions and keeping score. And so that's where that comes in, if that makes sense. No, absolutely makes sense because it's process driven, but does bring you back to the data concept in EOS, right? So if you've got good data and you're measuring the right data, you should be tipped off earlier rather than later. If you're looking at financials, it's historical, it's too late. Your data in your EOS component should be predictive in nature so you can pivot quickly. And even with that, sometimes you might, and I know I'm speaking personally, that I might look at it and wait to see if there's a starting of a trend before I too make it too quick to make a decision. One of the things we preach, Jim, is we're not trying to replace an entrepreneur's gut instinct with data-driven decisions exclusively. But I think the marriage of an entrepreneurial gut instinct and good predictive data makes for better, stronger, faster decision-making. And so what we ask is that you look at a scorecard of five to 15 numbers every week that predict future results. As you say, an income statement and a balance sheet reviewed quarterly or monthly is great information. You should be doing that too, but those are trailing indicators. What we ask is what are the activities that create the results on your income statement, your balance sheet, your customer satisfaction surveys, your employee engagement surveys, et cetera. What are the things the business does or the people in the business does every day that lead to the satisfactory or better results that you're looking for in those trailing indicators? And that's what we like to measure. And the tide of the process book is when you've documented and simplified your processes, then you have a long list of all the activities that need to be done regularly to produce qualified leads in your marketing process or closed business in your sales process or paid up accounts in your accounting process or whatever it is. And so that list of activities in your process documents or tools or videos or whatever it is you're using, that's where you're going to find the best leading indicators. I love this stuff. I love talking to you about this. And as you know, I mentioned earlier that we... Uh, take people in process first, and then we leverage technology. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. Where do you see technology coming in with all of this? Yeah, so technology, when we say one of the tools we teach is called the three-step process document, or how do you document and simplify a handful of core processes, okay? And step one is identifying the stuff you should systemize, five to 12 core processes that need to be done the right and best way every time. Step two is document and simplify each of those core processes. I'll come back to that in a minute. Step three is package them in a way that makes them easy to find and use by the people who have to engage in it at least one step in the process. So where technology can play a part is, first of all, you should use it to simplify your processes. When you're observing the way you're doing things today, one of the things most of my clients are doing without really even having to think about it is look at something that seems to take a long time and involve multiple people and say, man, can we automate that step? Why are we doing that manually? Why the commercial banking client lamented the fact that their transaction tickets from one branch are being driven to another branch to enter in? You know, why? So that's where technology can help you actually simplify your processes. The other thing it does is it accelerates change. 
Okay. It accelerates behavior change. And so most of my clients are migrating away from Word documents that are bulleted outlines of a core process and towards things like automated workflows, video libraries of processes. If any of you like me have ever tried to do a home repair that's above your prey grade and the first thing you did was Google some brilliant handyman sharing a video on YouTube, that is actually a process video that we're relying on to do something we don't know how to do. And so most of my clients are kind of moving in that direction. And in the book, we tell a there was a joint venture between Ford and Bosch. They created a virtual reality training tool for the mechanics at Ford dealerships all over the world before the Mustang electric vehicle came out because they knew the dealerships weren't going to have any extra vehicles sitting around for the mechanics to practice on. And so they're using virtual reality to train mechanics on how to do something without them having ever seen the vehicle. So that's how technology can help. Right, right, right. So I'll add to the technology piece. By the way, if you write another book, could I get a chapter and I'll apply the technology piece? <laughs> there you go. There we'll co-author. I know, I know we've got a co-author here, Lisa. Maybe we all three could uh, collaborate. Well, if you're smart, you'll focus on Lisa because she's the brains of this operation for oh. sure. <laughs> As I think about technology and how we can make the companies also recession-proof, one part of it is making sure that we're floating the right data, right? So, and that data oftentimes comes from multiple sources. It might not be just, you know, as we talked about, the trailing indicators of P&Ls, there may be a piece of information there, but it might be something from sales pipeline, might be something from, so that gets you to a predictive number. So one of the things that we're doing is we're creating an EOS-like data layer for customers who are adopting EOS. So they can have a platform where they can bring that data right to the top for themselves. And they would have that as dynamic. Sort of aggregating inputs from multiple systems into a summary report. That's cool. Into a scorecard for them to measure against consistently. That's very dynamic. And then you mentioned workflows. There's also RPA, robotics process automation for that repetitive process, which we can then move humans to more effective folks, locations or positions. However, in some cases where that difficult in the recession, there may be a layoff, you're going to need technology to help you become recession-proof is my, my vision here. So that's where we come in, but it is always people in process first because you could take a bad process and make it go faster. And so that we call that paving a cow path. <laughs> All right. So we're running out of time here. This is, I could go on for an hour with you, uh, Peyton. And by the way, I've been pronouncing the Pareto principle wrong for the rest of all my life. Um, I don't know why I keep putting an N in there. It must have been from WBCN days. There was a DJ. Yeah, my Pareto process is I'm not allowed to touch anything in the house, if I remember my parents' instruction to me. And for good reason, by the way, I broke a lot of stuff when I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned pay grades. Right. For fixing things at home. They're all above my pay grade. I'm not allowed anymore. My wife has stopped me. I have drilled holes through pipes when hanging things where you see the, the plastic pipe come out. You know, that's horrible. I've blown up a toilet by putting acid in the train to clean it. No more. Oh, I'm, yeah. Yeah, that's good. You again, you and I are going to get along great, Jim. Yes, we are. 
All right, here comes our tech payment session, which is where we ask you a question that you have no idea what we're going to ask, and we're going to find out a little bit more about you. So my question for you is, before Brian pops in, Brian, by the way, Brian Anderson, I haven't given him kudos. He's my uh, one of my sidekicks here. He's the editor and of the podcast and does all our content management. We're sans uh, Allie Lippman today because she's on PTO. But my question for you is, Peyton... What's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure at the moment is golf. I played a lot of golf as a young man into my 30s, and then I launched my entrepreneurial journey and got too busy for the game. The idea of four and a half hours somewhere just wasn't going to fit into my life. And in the last couple of years, as my schedule has been freed up a little bit and my kids are getting a little older. I've, I've gotten back into playing golf and I'm loving it again. So oh, good for you. What state are you in? May I ask? I'm in Minnesota. So I've got about a six week golf season here in Minnesota. No, but it, it's a blast and, and it's not guilty. I'm, you know, I'm living my EOS life and I believe everybody who's a hardworking person making good things happen in the world deserves time to recharge. And that's my way of recharging. That reminds me in the book you mentioned, who said it? Everything that gets unplugged. What was it that gets unplugged and resets as uh, maybe, do you remember? Yeah, I can't remember the author. What is her name? Oh, yeah, it was an analogy to like uh, unplugging your or shutting down your phone and letting it reset. But even humans need to do that. And that's what this does. Having process helps you do that. Brian, what do you got for Peyton? Yeah, it kind of ties into the whole conversation around it being above your pay grade and what you're willing and able to learn about and being able to systemize it and processes. But Peyton, what's one thing you want to do in life, but have absolutely no idea where to start? Oh man, no idea where to start there. God, that is a great question. Well, I enjoy the creative process and writing, get a grip and process were great. I think I want to maybe write a fiction book. And I have a little bit of an idea where to start. I'm grateful to have a great publisher and a great literary agent, but but that's probably what I would answer is, is I think there may be some non-business writing in my future. Another page turner. So what's next for you? Anything on the roadmap right now other than the fiction book that you think might be coming? <laughs> yeah, you know, first of all, I'm, I stepped down as the visionary for EOS Worldwide a couple of years ago, and I'm, I'm loving reconnecting with my client work and serving them well in their EOS journeys. I'm really excited about the launch of the process book. Lisa Gonzalez and I plan to do some workshopping and talks to help entrepreneurial leadership teams around the globe get better at that stuff. And I'm looking for ways to contribute value to the world of entrepreneurship any way I can. So that's consuming 100% of my focus. Outside of my devotion to my lovely wife and our five boys. And I've got two kids that are 15 and 12 that play soccer at a very high level. And I can guarantee you I'll be on the sidelines of a soccer pitch near you sometime soon. Never miss a child's events in his life. That's uh, that's very important. Well, how do folks get a hold of you? Yeah. So first of all, it's easy to find me and everything we've talked about today on the EOS Worldwide website, eosworldwide.com. And then please share my email address with everybody and any contact information you like to share. It's mpaton, M-P-A-T-O-N, at eosworldwide.com. And again, folks, his name is Mike Payton. He's the author of Process, which will be, when will it be hitting the shelves? Late September, third week of September. Yep. Coming soon to a store near you, which is probably Amazon, but it is an awesome book. And I just want to mention before we go that 
there are a number of books in the traction library or the EOS library, the traction library, I guess. So we've got traction, we've got rocket fuel, we've got get a grip, which you were part of. Is it, which ones are you part of? Get a grip and how to be a great boss. What the heck is EOS, which is a good one. We did something on what the heck is a blueprint. I think uh, we do videos and the EOS life. So it's a great library, man. And once you starting, you go down this, it's transformative. So for the listeners out there, I want to thank all the listeners, by the way, we are looking at the analytics. Our podcast is increasing in audience size. I want to thank you all. Uh, I want to thank you, Peyton, for joining us today. Awesome time. Brian, thank you for being my, uh, what are you? I'm just a guy fly on the wall, making sure nothing. Oh, you're burns yeah, down. fly on the wall. Okay, great. Well, thanks folks for listening. And this is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell. We're a growth enablement company that we're going to bring to you process and the technology that will support it. Thanks, Peyton. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brian. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I also want to thank Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow.